the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Happy New Year and all that good stuff. First day of the markets in 2020. Things look good, good, good to go. Second day, mm, meltdown. Third day, down. First five days, first five trading days of the year. It depends on how they go. So goes the year. So it says one of those, eh, I'm not going to say memes, but you kind of get where I'm going with wiseisms. It's true until it's not true, or maybe it's not true the year that you want it to be true. But the pace that we start the year at certainly shows like maybe an optimism or pessimism. After last year's gains, I would not be surprised for a down year. After last year's gains, I would not be surprised for an underperforming year. After last year's gains, I would not be surprised if we had more gains just like it. Too much going on to really put a good finger on it. The number one story of 2020 so far, World War Three with Iran. I was trying to use my like Fox World War Three voice, but I don't really have one. Um, that's a big story. If you spent any time down over the weekends and you're watching the, the, the news shows, the Sunday news shows, there was talk of war. What is the president's ability to declare war via Twitter or not? If he has to go to Congress or not? Um, and the ability for the president to respond to Iran and Iran to respond to the United States? Uh, President Trump went out and said, we have 52 Iranian targets that have already been identified for counterstrikes. And he hinted, we're willing to go after your mosque or your cultural icons, which is considered a war crime. So I, I'm not going to lie to you. The headlines right now are not starting the year off in a very market-friendly kind of manner. Do I think we're going to go to the draft again? No. Do I think we go legit full-on war with Iran? No. Do I think they have the capability of taking us down with some sort of virtual cyber strike? I don't know. That's where it starts getting kind of very iffy on me. So, okay, wars in the background. Let's talk about the foreground. Stock market's trading 18.3 times forward earnings. That's for the next 12 months. That's very historically rich. It's not the richest thing you would taste. You know, when you're going for that tomato sauce and you get the tomato puree, like, oh, that's rich. Well, richer would be like a tomato paste where you're like, ah, that's too much tomato. Um, same thing with the markets. Right around 20 would be too much. Around 18, 17, it's pretty darn rich. 15, eh, starting to get fair. 12, nice value. Now, again, typically when you're at 12 times earnings, it's because the economy can't support it. Typically when you're at 20 times earnings, 
it's because the economy is rocking along. So it kind of goes hand in hand with the economy, which makes it a little bit difficult for you to get the confidence either way. So, Needham downgraded Apple to buy from Strong Buy. It had an amazing end of the year run. I get it. Um, when we were talking about companies last year approaching a trillion dollars market cap valuation, we're like, well, that's a big round number. Now, when you're starting to talk about approaching 1.3 trillion, 1.4 trillion, that's a big number. And for a company to be worth 1.3 trillion, in theory, one day they'll earn 1.3 trillion dollars. And you see their quarters are 25 to 40 billion. You're like that's now it's starting to look like we're really buying into the future of said company. You're pushing out that future a little further to say it'll grow into it. It's like when you buy your kids extra large pajamas, but they're only two years old. It's going to take a long time to fill out, but if you buy them a small, it'll take less time to grow into. You get the idea. Alphabet Google got upgraded to buy, so one fang stock Apple downgraded, one fang stock Alphabet upgraded. I think Alphabet, Amazon, Facebook are going to have a very difficult year with headlines. Not necessarily with business, with headlines and how they manage Congress. J.P. Morgan Chase was uh, upgraded Nordstrom. Nordstrom falls in the world of I don't care. 20, 25 years ago, I would have like drilled down. I would have been happy. I would have been excited to find a company. A retailer that maybe had some value to it. A stock that I could say, it's been around for 100 years. I feel comfortable with it. I'm not touching mall-based retail ever again, probably. I can't imagine the catalyst that would get me there. Bank of America got a nice upgrade to overweight. It's To me, there's two big banks that America loves. Wells Fargo and Bank of America. And Bank of America's woes aren't there. Wells Fargo's woes are. And Bank of America's like, thank you. And when does Wells Fargo announce new banking initiatives or platforms or something interesting to either compete with Bank of America or to modernize and get the faith back in their, their, their base? Wells Fargo was a great bank in the 90s and 2000s. And the last five, 10 years... Not so much. Again, they had some problems, and they didn't handle it well, and they had created some more problems with sales practices. Evercore downgraded Toll Brothers and DR Horton to underperform from inline. So some home builders getting downgraded, some mixed calls on big tech companies, a retailer getting some love, and Bank of America getting some respect. Those are some of the big headlines out there today. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. We can definitely talk about the stock markets. We definitely hit 2020, what to expect. It's going to be a big year for 5G and for the new Xbox and PlayStation. But uh, 5G is a big one. Will it roll out? Will it be as great as we want it to be? No. Uh, many, many years ago, 20 years ago, I was going to CES consumer electronic show which is going on now and 20 years ago you'd see the ceo of sony and man he was all about 3g and how he's going to change the world and change traffic and 
Well, we've gone through 3G, 4G, and now we're looking at 5G, right? It's never quite going to turn, you know, straw into gold. Smile Direct Club scored a big deal with Walmart. I've got a friend who's used Smile Direct Club, and I'm only warning you based on, like, one scenario. So he gets the trays and everything, and he gets his teeth fixed late in life. I guess he's 37, 38 area. The plastic teeth aligners. Smile Direct made a relationship with Walmart to debut a host of consumer products across 3,800 plus stores, including whitening systems, electric toothbrushes, LED lights, white, uh, whitening toothpaste, flossers, ultrasonic cleaners, but also the plastic teeth aligners. Now, again, what's interesting to note about that is my friend, like I said, he had a really bad experience where it didn't really it corrected the alignment, but it didn't correct some like the 3D mashings of his mouth. It just it destroyed his mouth, um, essentially. So he had to go to an orthodontist to get it fixed. So he had to basically go through a teeth straightening process twice. Um, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying that's interesting because he's a financial planner. And um, let's just say it wasn't financially very uh, lucrative. It didn't turn out quite as he, the way he wanted to. Big mistake in 2019 for him. What are your big mistakes? Pick up the phone. You may call 800-516-1220. Big seminar coming up. You can use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Hope to see you there. Learn more at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. While you were partying during the holidays... Bringing in the new year. Carry it on with the old Ling Zine. Uh, getting over your political invites with your relatives. Whatever. Congress got to work and they passed a big piece of federal legislation. Signed into law by President Trump. It's been hailed as one of the most far reaching retirement savings reforms in a decade. A package that is going to broaden the reach of 401k workplace plans, which I think, hey, I'm all for this. This sounds good. Um, the problem is they, they they made some tweaks to IRAs, too. I would say the 401k work was better for end users. IRAs are already popular, accounting for $9.7 trillion. $9.7 trillion of assets. That's 33% of all assets. Relatively few people contribute new money into IRAs, including Roth IRAs, which allow for tax-free withdrawals. There's two types of two basic types of IRAs. On one side, you fund it with pre-tax money, the Roth. No, no, no. Pre-tax money, the regular IRA, and it comes out taxed. And then the Roth you fund with after-tax money, but it comes out tax-free in retirement. Both are good. Both have a place. You need to figure out what's best for you. Now, the SECURE Act is changing everything ever so slightly. The growth of IRAs has been fueled by their role as the top repositories for money out of the workplace 401k or the 403b or the 457. All, four of the, all three of those are very similar. When people leave an employer, they typically have the option to transfer the money into an IRA rather than leave it in the 401k, and that's why IRAs have done so well. But then a lot of people don't fund it going forward. So we're going to do a big seminar coming up 
in February. It would be great if you were there because we're going to be talking about the SECURE Act and how it can let you put more money in for longer into retirement, take less money out sooner, and let it grow longer. Um, but again, this isn't really for everyone because only about 12% of people, of 12% of Americans contribute on a regular basis to traditional IRAs. Again, that's the front-end tax deductions or the Roth IRAs. So that's not changing a lot. So the, the tinkering that the Congress did with the age um, on the 401k is pretty great. You can start taking distributions now at 72 versus 70 and a half. Uh, this will allow people who start at 50 to have a couple more years of growth. If you started too late, if you started early, this is not going to be an issue for you. But if you start at late, you want to take as little money out of that 401k for as long as possible. So learn more by coming to the big event in February. You can learn more by going to robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com and sign up for the event. Coming to a neighborhood near you, use code radio 25 to get in for free. Big loser from the events last night at the Golden Globes. I would say it was Apple. They got a little bit of roasted. By Ricky Gervais. I think everyone got roasted by Ricky Gervais. He basically took a scorched earth approach to the crowd, which is good for the entertainment. Netflix had the most Golden Globe nominations, but AT&T won the most trophies. But Apple took it pretty hard. Tim Cook was there. Obviously, they've got the new Apple TV product, which was heavily promoted during the commercials. But Ricky Gervais... Uh, threw a gut punch at Apple and skewered CEO Tim Cook, accusing him of running sweatshops in China while making a drama about doing the right thing with their morning t- today show. And I don't know. It's the morning show with Jennifer Aniston. Um, that's pretty, I mean, don't we all kind of know it? Don't we all kind of turn our head to the Apple phone that's in our hand? Or do you vomit when you look at me and see me with an Apple phone, knowing that there was probably a sweatshop worker who contributed to the manufacturing of it. Boy, the moral dilemmas when it comes to talking about technology, right? Google's got some dilemmas of, is there Google Earth and their mapping technology being used by the military to to hunt and kill people? And does that bother you? Amazon and Microsoft both work with the Department of Defense on various projects. Does that bother you? Or do you want your phone number protected? Or do you not want it to be seeing ads on Facebook? So Apple rolled into the TV game and uh, Ricky Gervais took a shot at him. And I guess if you come up to that platform, you deserve to take the heat. I Or I, I guess on any platform, right? See, this is where I'm not a really good radio show host is when it comes to talking morals. Apple, Amazon, Disney... And when Ricky Gervais said, if ISIS started a streaming service, you'd call your agent, wouldn't you? It it was pretty scaring. Now, Apple has taken steps on their end to promote healthy workplace environments where their products are manufactured. They've provided more than, I'm going to say less. They're trying to put a Band-Aid on the problem. Company says it's in its supplier responsibility report that requires suppliers to have appropriate safety protocols and fair working hours. 
96% of the 1 million supplier employees tracked down complied with fair working hours, so 4% maybe didn't. Or maybe this report's skewed, right? There was a, a phrase that I used to use in the 90s and early 2000s of, like, don't really trust information coming out of China. It's, are there, is their economy growing at 8%, 9%? Is it manufacturing? Is, is that coming from state money? Is it coming from investment money? Is it coming from salaries? What is it? We didn't know. But we knew that in press releases, they wanted to be bigger than the United States. Cook, Cook Tim Cook from Apple, is, he always takes this moralistic tone when it comes to privacy. And he, he flat out takes shots at Zuckerberg and Facebook. He flat out takes shots at Google. He's received rewards for fighting hate speech for Apple's sustainability initiatives from the Anti-Defamation League. Um, but is it right? Is it fair that they have sweatshops? Henry Gervais brought it up. It was tough. It was a tough night to be Tim Cook because he sat there kind of stone-faced. Some of the faces last night were awesome. Susquehanna, turning it back to Wall Street and away from Los Angeles, California. Susquehanna said that Apple's going to launch its first 5G phones in September, followed by even faster 5G phones in either December 2020 or January 2021. Oh, I'm not Jewish, but can I be Jewish for one minute? Oy vey. Like, 5G phones in September, faster ones in December? Why am I getting one in September? It says in the report that the faster iPhones is uh, Apple's decision to use in-house antennas. 5G networks that use the faster millimeter wave technology aren't widely available. And there aren't any phones that support all 5G technologies at this point in time. So we're already starting to see some sloppy in 5G, right? And yet it's going to be a big story, but sloppy. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. America likes lists. I'm getting older. You're getting older. Not a lot of wisdom in that statement, but a lot of truth, right? Last year I had a puppy. This year he's no longer a puppy. She. I have to use the right pronoun when speaking of my animal. Actually, kind of, how shall we say, 0111-0111. Um, kind of androgynous. So, neither male or female name, huh? What about that? So, as we're getting older, we're kind of... We can't. We can do 5G investments. We can talk about last year's winners and this year's losers. We can talk about this year's winners and last year's losers. Like we can do whatever on this show. We can change it up. But people like lists. Here's a quick top three things. Top three things that retirees, maybe not you, maybe your parents, maybe you, top three mistakes retirees make, and how to avoid them. Now, first and foremost. I work with no net in radio, and of course I make some mistakes. Know that. It's a little broker advice for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned on the show. I work in the stock market that is not science. It's a lot more of an art, and it has to be a massage to understand. 
Retirees make three big mistakes that could jeopardize their financial futures. Now, when you're a retiree, in theory, let's say you're 60. I like breaking things down. You work from 20 to 60 years ago. But I'm in college till I'm 23. You work from 20 to 60 on this show, stupid. Just sit down and take it. Just go with it. And you retire from 60 to 100, okay? And from 0 to 20, I just want you to be happy. Happy and educated. You don't have to learn every financial story. You don't have to, like, my daddy used to make me have to do an allowance. And I had to, I, I'm not, it's not folk. I want you to be happy. Because later in life, once you start working and getting married, it's all downhill. <laughs> no, it's great. It's really great. Number one, top mistake that people who are retired who don't have any time to fix things. So you need to set yourself up before you hit 60 and make these mistakes. Number one, no written plan. Only 12% of retirees have a written plan. An additional 42% have a plan, but it's not written down, and thus they have no plan. 12% have a plan. 42% think they have a plan in their head, and the rest have no plan. In the month of December, my wife's best friend's father found out that he had some growths on his pancreas. Second person I've known in the last 90 days to have this story come down. His is further along than the others. The others is a younger woman who's in her 40s. He's a man in his 70s. Doctor said, basically, you got two to three months to live. If all these tests are confirmed. And essentially they were. His plan has been written down, but listen to this. He's got two kids, male and female. This male kid probably been in a little bit more of a disappointment in life. Tried to get into this career, didn't work. Tried to get into another career, didn't quite work. Fought with his dad about money. His dad, again, my wife's best friend's father. So kind of a friend of the family. He, he did well. He came for money. And he, he's going to set his kids up. But his plan is actually to empower his daughter to be the executor of his will. And not his son. Now, again, I'm like, if this is a lot of money, this should be a trust. First and foremost, not a will. So I can't really get involved in my friend's second generation or second, you know, uh, not direct friends. I can't really get involved in their finances because, A, they don't want me to. And, B, they don't want me to. And, C, they don't want me to. Indeed, they want me to, but then they, they're they like, whoa, you know everything about me. No written plan is a big mistake. Putting one kid in charge of the finances versus the other is a huge mistake. The kids are going to hate each other. And that played out over the holidays where he found out. And the dad had to say to him, well, son, you messed up in life too many times, and I didn't quite trust you to make the right decisions. Like, he's going to be leaving behind a wife who is starting to get dementia. Does that wife need to be put in a home at the end of this year or next year or the year after or the year after? He wants his daughter to make the decision because he believes his daughter won't make a bad decision. Knowing that she's a great architect, but she's not a great financial person, I think she'll probably make some bad decisions. But in his head, so for instance, my trust in my executor, I would rather have someone like a CFP, Chad Burton, who I know and I like but who isn't my buddy who is a fiduciary who has to do the right financial thing. And he's been trained to know that maybe in his own life, he's not the right person, but for a kind of a third person relationship, a third party, I think a third party executor 
is a great thing. For any couple, think about how you want your kids to react when you die. Do you want them fighting over who has power and fighting over who gets dad's uh, Rolex? Or one kid wants to move into dad's old home and the other kid wants to sell it? You want that third-party person not part of your family because you want your kids to mourn you. Trust me, as a person who's lost his father many, many, many years ago, I wish he would have done better with his paperwork. I wish I had thought more that I would need to know more of these questions that I had to find the answers to late when I could no longer go to him. I had to go through his paperwork and find an insurance form when my dad was dying. He had six months left to live. And he didn't sign. He messed up and didn't sign a $400,000 life insurance policy that he had his whole life. But in the last six months of his life, when he was told, you will be dead in six months, he didn't pay it. For whatever reason, he paid it when he was healthy. He didn't pay it when he was known he was going to die. Having someone else involved in those decisions is, is really great. My dad, his, his paperwork style was to stack stuff on his desk. So like if you buy a buy a, a, a ream of loose leaf paper, it's typically like 100 or 300 pages. I would say there was 4,000 pages of stuff on his desk that I had to go through. And slowly but surely, I was going through it. And I was like, oh, a life insurance policy didn't sign. So a written plan is awesome, and it takes away the pressure. When I should have been holding my mom and saying it's, it's, he was a great dad, and you know we loved him, and we'll miss him, I was going through his paperwork. When I was trying to hustle to get him into Arlington uh, um, Cemetery, which was his wish, um, I couldn't because we waited till like the, he died to like put in the application. They're like, well, it's going to take three weeks. And like, no, no, we don't have three weeks. We want to put him in the ground soon. So trying to have these conversations is kind of important with your kids. Have a plan, have it written down. In your plan, you also have to get some financial things right, like inflation assumptions, health care costs, long-term care costs, tax planning, tax efficiency. How much do you need in portfolio returns? How, what happens if there's a shortfall? What are your living expenses? Do you have a living will? There, there's things that you want to write down about age 60. If you haven't done it, you need to do it. A written plan of, of what you want to happen. Whether it be a trust, which I think everyone in California who owns a home should have a trust. Or whether it be a will. Um, another big mistake that people make in retirement is not taking enough risk. Not taking the right risk. It's probably the right way of saying that. There's a lot of inappropriate risk. You could have too much low-yielding fixed income, where it's safe in principle, but low in income. Or you'd have too much in stock markets, not knowing that there are substantial times where the market underperforms. And you don't want that happening in your drawdown strategy. You want to have a plan for that. CFP Chad Burton has so many, like, a plan isn't like, it's not just a best case scenario, worst case scenario. And here's what we're expecting. It's a lot more nuanced than that. You can't say something simple like, I just want $3,000 a month in income. You got to get a little bit more nuanced. Another thing you should do is um, sequence of risk. This is a big mistake that retirees make. Sequence of risk, this is going to be a little bit more um, 11th grade attention. You got to have a little bit something going on here. 
This is the sequence of return risk when basically retirees mismanage the order in which the returns occur. You want a bucket approach. You want to spread out things in the short term, medium term, and long term. Your short term is going to be your cash needs, typically your income needs. And that's going to be the the most conservative tranche or bucket of money. Then you get some midterm, which will eventually become your short term. And you get some long term to hopefully keep funding your midterm and your short term. That's a basic, basic principle. And to give you an example, my bucket one would hold roughly $120,000 in high liquid assets. And that's to be my near-term living expenses for one, two, or three years. My more mid-sized bucket, my medium-sized bucket, is going to be about $500,000. And that's going to be short-term focused bond exchanges, treasury inflation protected securities, maybe some bond funds. But the largest chunk of my money is going to be for years 4 through 20 in retirement. Not 1 through 3, but 4 through 20. And that's going to be a growth portfolio. It's going to be almost a million plus dollars. And that's going to feed dividend growth and market indexes and international indexes. And it's going to keep me pace with, with decent global capitalist kind of returns. Three different approaches. Short-term cash and highly liquid. Second-term more income to fund the first one. And the third one to give you some long-term growth. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. Come to a seminar to learn more. Find me at Rob Black Show. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. When I see Iran and the United States having tensions, do I think about 18-year-old boys going off to war and losing limbs and dying for the honor of their country? No. Do I see good wars or bad wars? No. I see airline stock getting hit, and that could create an opportunity to buy. I see oil prices skyrocketing and gold moving higher on fear. Oil with fear of what happens to Strait of Hormuz, what happens with the flow of oil. Are we going to war with Iran because of Saudi Arabia, or are we doing it because this general is really that bad of a dude? Are we going to war because it's a distraction from impeachment? I don't know. I'm not a Sunday morning political guy. So all I can tell you is when I see terrorism, when I see war, instantly I know oil goes higher, gold goes higher artificially. Until there's boots on the ground, it's artificial in my opinion. And I see airlines getting hit because of fear of travel and because their cost of business is heavily tied towards oil. 800-516-1220. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Again, is it that simple? It's not. But for the sakes of it, let's just say it is. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Trump doubled down on his threat to target Iran's cultural sites. That's an act that could be considered a war crime. Um, fascinating. Fascinating how this administration and Twitter... Or fascinating how Twitter has reshaped. No, 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 no. Fascinating how, how politics and Twitter coexist now and how that's constantly evolving. 
An Iranian cleric said something that is almost too good. He uh, is a fan of Soleimani, the general who passed away, and he said, we can't really take shot at American heroes because your heroes are SpongeBob SquarePants and Spider-Man. And that brings up a good moral question, doesn't it? Or philosophical question. Uh, If you could dream the most evil thing, what would it be? If you could dream the best thing, what would it be? A scathing commentary on the United States is that the worst thing would be like this horrible monster from the depths of the ocean that when you look at it, you, you lose function of your body. You cry. But... Maybe the best thing we can create is like a, a talk show. <laughs> it's like maybe America is vapid and shallow, and like we are. Con- maybe it would be a, a Kardashian, a Kardashian talk show host. Like, what's the best thing we could dream up? And there, a European Middle Eastern Iranian cleric is totally mocking America, saying the best you could do is Spider Man and SpongeBob. I don't know if that's untrue. I'm not speaking for the, the majority of America. I'm just speaking for. Whoever's watching the Kardashians, it's somebody out there. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. Isn't it fun having Iran and United States in a kind of like potential war? Isn't this fun? Uh, not so much. You know what 2020 could be, should be, I'd like to see it be, is let's earn some money. We saw bikes and scooters in the last few years, like kind of dominate the city landscapes. And like, how are these guys making money? People are just dumping scooters in the middle of the street. And if you know anyone that's gotten on one, you can't get off of it for under 20 block, twenty bucks in three blocks. There's a cost of starting it up. There's a cost of shutting it down. There's a cost of how far you go. So we've had this bikes and scooters thing that we don't know how it's doing. They're private companies. We've got people whipping through streets um, on different type of startups for delivery services, whether it be Cosmo.com promising deliveries in under an hour. Do you remember them? Oh, that was 2000. But now we have companies like Uber and Lyft who we want things delivered to us from or we want them to drive us around, but we're not willing to say we'll pay the premium price just so you can earn some money. 2020 could be a year where we start, you know, telling these companies. And when I say we, I'm talking about SoftBank and Amazon, who's invested in a lot of the venture capital into companies like Uber and Lyft, um, Grubhub. These companies have to make money at some point, and there's going to be a tipping point, and it'll probably be a tipping year. And I'm not talking about how much you tip your waiter or your DoorDash person, but you're spending 30 to $40 on multiple food deliveries per week. You're probably going to be spending 50 to 60 sooner than later. So companies like Grubhub, you know, we enjoy using our disposable income on them. But in the end, there's going to have to be a, a way of them making money. Will 2020 be the year that we start shifting back towards it, it, it's okay to be a unicorn in 2018 to 2019? We don't really like unicorns like we work. And Uber and Lyft, they're not making enough money for us to, they're not generating enough revenue to displace how much money they're losing for us to really say, let's quadruple those stocks. 
the investors want them to quadruple. That's their ticket out. They've put the money in. Now they want out. So they're going to be asking their companies to say, let's get more realistic here because we can't fool America forever on growth of revenue like we work. We got to earn some good old fashioned money. Now, not everyone does, because let's let's face it, Beyond Meat was a sensation in 2019 where they had the growing revenues. They had the real relationships. They had a new product that's never been seen before, a plant-based protein burger. Woo! That's way better than WeWork's business model of, oh, we're going to lease a building, then we're going to sublease it. Like, that's your business model, subleasing? And you're losing billions of dollars? 2020, will it be the tipping point where we get some rationality and we, we kill the unicorns? Oh, man, that would be a visual image that would make me happy. Bloody unicorns with a hunter. And people cry, don't kill the unicorns. But in the investment world, you want to kill the unicorns. They're the companies that are worth billions that aren't going to make billions. Will 2020 be that year? It brings some rational thought into the process. Find me at robblackshow.com. 